Welcome to Mastering Herbalism with Bob Lindy of the Tradition School of Herbal Studies here in sunny St. Petersburg, Florida. In this podcast, we work to raise the bar for anyone, beginner to practitioner, who has an interest and excitement for herbalism. Join us to explore the exciting world of herbal medicine. Today's episode, we're really excited about. We've got a guest again, and uh, today we've got Ruth Glass, and she's going to be sharing with us a little bit about her expertise. And I would say not only expertise, but her passion is working with kids, really of all ages. And as an herbalist, she really focuses in uh, on working with the unique things that we need to do with this special population of younger kids. So. Welcome to the show, Ruth, and I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, I know you're a practitioner at Acupuncture and Herbal Therapies where you see clients, you help with our student clinics supervising that, you teach probably about half our classes plus your, your own uh, medicine-making program. And, like, okay, you graduated from the cool, you know, classes, the Chinese and the Western Herbal Program, so, like, four years formal study with us here at Tradition School of Herbal Studies, but like that's not exactly where you started with herbalism. You had been doing it a long time. Tell us a little bit about like your herbal life. Uh, well, I actually got started um, when I became a mom. So uh, 20, almost 24 years ago, I was inspired to have a natural birth. So I was thinking, how can I do this and still be able to get through the pain of labor? So I looked into aromatherapy, and that was kind of like my gateway into herbalism. So from there, I realized, wow, there's actually other ways of dealing with herbs other than just the smells, the pretty smells. There's other things too. So um, I started getting into um, like the supplements and teas through a vitamin store. I was a part-time employee and during the downtime, I just read books all the time and studied about the different plants. And uh, then I realized over time, like, oh, there's other people out there that actually work with herbs and uh, went to my first herbal conference. Which conference was your first one? The Southeast Wise Women Conference in nice. Black Mountain, nice. 2007. Wow. That was a few years ago. Yeah. And, you know, it's always interesting so many times when we look at those folks, especially the practitioners, but those folks who have a passion for it, it's not like they go and get a bachelor's or a master's degree in herbal medicine. And so, so often I find the people that I talk to, they really start just trying to figure it out on their own. And later on, they try to formalize it with some sort of study. So, you know, so many of us kind of like just struggle with it, trying to figure it out. And besides your herbal uh, career, you had, you know, some other working with kids with the school system and stuff. What what did you uh, used to do with the school system? Well, um, I was a first um, when my my son is actually I'm going to talk about my son again. He's been uh, my inspiration for a lot of things. And when he was little, uh, I was thinking like, wow, I really like working with kids. I had been a babysitter, you know, as a teenager. But I was like, wow, this is actually kind of fun teaching him how to look at words and about the world. And so I went back to school and decided to get my education degree and then got my master's in education. And I was really dedicated to um, the public school system. However, uh, what I realized was that um, it 
isn't always dedicated to itself. So uh, basically, after working in the structured school system for 12 years, I had this other side job of working at Boyd Hill doing nature camps. And I found that I was much happier when I was doing nature camp and less stressed and uh, it was more fulfilling. And so I thought, hmm, how can I do this more rather than just two weeks in the summer? So um, I started doing my own weekend classes in 2016 with kids in herbalism. And what's the name of that company that you're doing those kinds of projects with? Uh, it's called Forest and Hearth. Nice. Is there Hearth a like heart with an H. <laughs> Is there a website or anything people can find out more mm -hmm. about that? Yep. Forestandhearth.com. Awesome. Oh, well, wait, 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 wait. Forestandhearthllc.com. <laughs> so I always put LLC in everything because when I got my LLC, it said, you must include LLC in all your legal stuff. And I'm like, well, what is legal and what isn't? So <laughs> LLC goes on everything. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, herbs and kids, you know, and what if people like, you know, we always think about adults and we take herbs for ourselves, we do our own research or ideally go see an herbalist, but why would somebody bring their kid? What, what kind of common things do you work with, with kids and herbs? Well, um, digestion is a very common one. Um, kids get, you know, tummies that don't feel good mainly because, you know, their diet isn't always the best because they don't want to eat vegetables. Uh, so digestion is a common thing. I would say, um, sadly, stress uh, can be a common one for kids. It just comes out in different ways. And sometimes it actually comes out in the digestion. Uh, another thing that I see, uh, I would, I guess, like behaviors, you know, sometimes like Kids just have a hard time getting through the world, especially you know, nowadays. We hear about ADD and ADHD. Mm -hmm. Do you find that the herbs can be really helpful um, with that? Yeah, herbs and um, looking at nourishment and um, some supplementation. You know, and you kind of said it like kids don't want to eat vegetables. They don't want to do, you know, they, they all want candy and, and all the yummy stuff. Well, so do we, but <laughs> we have a little bit more self-control. But um, so the herbs don't always taste so great. How do you go about getting kids to take the, the nasty herbs they need sometimes? Well, so there are actually a lot of um, options for that, to be honest. Um, one of my favorites is glycerin. Uh, glycerin is a byproduct of soap making, which you might be like, what? Why would you give that to children? But it's actually very safe um, as long as you get a good source uh, that is not um, contributing to animal cruelty or environmental destruction. But besides that, glycerin is a wonderful um, choice for medicine making. Another one is honey. Um, some kids even like vinegar, surprisingly. My mm. kids, well, they're my kids, so they like vinegar. But um, other kids, too, sometimes even like vinegar. Oh, alcohol, alcohol is actually not a bad choice, too. But some parents are like, I shall not give my child alcohol. So, you know, you find other ways. Yeah. And sometimes just a simple tea. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's... You know, it's always interesting to see, like, those kids who are really receptive to it, and, you know, probably the kids who went to your camp, where they're picking a flower, you know, some Spanish needle or Bidens or something, and uh, they're snacking on it where the adults are thinking it's too gross, that once the kids are exposed to it, that they're become more receptive and excited about like I get to eat the dirty plants oh they love that part oh my gosh so uh we do weekly hikes at Boyd Hill and um they let me have this certain field that they do um like big 
programs so I can pick some of the weeds out of that one particular field because it's not inside of the preserve. And so we pick a lot of Bidens from there. And uh, the kids love that. And um, they'll, they don't even care, like, if we wash it, which I always wash it, just for everyone listening. Um, but, you know, they will love anything that we make out of that Bidens. But we also do other plants, too, that are growing in the field. And they just like walking around, picking up. You know, of course, I teach them before we can pick a plant to ask it first out of respect for the plant and nature. But And they like that. They like to ask first. Um, but yeah, they'll just walk around asking the plant, may I have one of your flowers? And then they just pick it and eat it. It's really nice. cute. You know, it, it's a lot of times we talk about ceremony and traditions and so forth. And uh, one of the things I say frequently in class is about if we lose those kinds of things like respect for the plants or the availability of the, the plant medicine that's around us, that in one generation, the knowledge vanishes. And so it's nice that it can even skip a generation of their parents mm -hmm. and be picked back up when oh, yeah. it's introduced at such an early age like that. It's really nice. The um, and, and just for anybody listening, every time we say Biden's, we've gotten very comfortable. It's not a political statement. That's Biden's <laughs> Alba. <laughs> and so Spanish needle, beggar's tick. There's, it's a very common weed around here that we use a lot for medicine. It's, it's one of our favorites for, for every age, I think. It, you know, one of the concerns always is if we're, you know, we know how to treat adults and the adults can speak up, but like, do you give herbs to infants as well? Oh yeah, I, um, actually the Spanish needles that we were just talking about, um, a six month old baby just drops, like literally drops of the tea um, using fresh Bidens actually helped um, this one little, poor little baby with an ear infection. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. And you know, and, and that's, probably a really important thing when we're talking about herbs you know we're used to the adult dosing when we look at the bottle or the supplement it's going to give us that what kind of thought process do you go through to figure out the right dosing for the younger folks so the safest way is honestly to use weight so there's a lot of like rules out there um there's at least five or six different ways that you can calculate dosage um, some of them are based on age, but the safest way is weight because if there's, if you look at an average six-year-old, there's no average six-year-old because they can be anywhere from like 25, 30 pounds up to like 60 pounds. So that's a really big range of weight. And if you just said, oh, for six years old, give them one half teaspoon. Well, that could really be inappropriate if the child is super tiny or if that's a a larger child, they'd be like, uh, where's my dose? Okay, it's not working. So um, thinking about what their weight is, and then you just, there's a little ma um, mathematical calculation you can do. Um, you can look it up, but, um, or I can post it somewhere, or maybe we can do a how-to video or something like that on it. Yeah, you know, we always got the option of doing a YouTube video or something. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, weight, weight's always been one of my favorites as well. It's it's safer and we can use it for dogs and cats when we're doing dosing as oh, well. Yeah. So it's it makes it a lot simpler, some basic math. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the herbs that, you know, we mentioned Biden's Alba. What are some other herbs that are like really common go-tos for you uh, and for particular ailments? Hmm. Well, burdock is literally one of my favorites. I wish it grew here easier because I literally love burdock so much. It's food, but it does um, so much for digestion, uh, nourishment. I use that quite a bit. And not just with kids. Like right now, I'm talking about almost anybody, but that's a safe one. Um, 
another one that I really like, I'm actually teaching about tonight, <laughs> is uh, citrus or orange peel. Uh, that's one I use commonly. And the cool thing about it is um, I buy oranges at the store. I'm looking at the microphone like I'm talking to the people at home, by the way, just so you know, I'm actually looking at you. <laughs> but I can't help it. Um, so at the grocery store, I'll buy orange oranges, like organic ones, and then we eat them because they're good, and then I save the peel. And then I dry it, and then guess what? I have a whole collection of orange peels to use for my family or friends or medicine making. So when you're making medicine at home, uh, it can be expensive sometimes buying these herbs, like especially if you're buying them in big quantities. And so being able to uh, have your own at home rather than having to buy everything uh, can be really nice and feel extra special. And burdock's a neat one. Like I, I know I use it digestion, and a lot of times people think about uh, burdock having a benefit for the liver. I know my favorite use for it, and especially with kids, is for any kind of allergies or food sensitivities, especially when it shows up as a rash on the skin. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, have you used it for things like eczema or psoriasis, those common weird rashes we see on kids all the time? Oh, yeah, because uh, basically burdock is cooling and nourishing. Um, it's also moistening. So um, oftentimes when you have rashes on the skin, they can look a little like white and crusty. And so burdock is really nice for that because it's cooling and nourishing. And especially when there's redness there, kind of like soothes everything from the inside. And then you can also apply it topically and do like a burdock bath, which would be really soothing. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of my go-tos for dogs with weird rashes, especially when it's like not the finest dog food in town mm -hmm. uh, and I, I know for kids as well like that's always such a winner to help working not just uh, steroid on the top to soothe the skin but to actually work and try to repair things from the inside is always yep. a biggie oh yeah um, what do you <clears throat> use the orange peel for Oh, orange peel is great for the digestion. Um, so orange peel, it, there's a few different ways you can use orange peel in a few different species. So most of the peels would be uh, warming to your digestion, which is really important because a lot of people have cold digestion from drinking ice cold drinks. So uh, that really helps with warming up the digestion. But when you have a cold digestion, you also have a tendency to have a little bit more... Um, either dryness or sometimes it can even lead to having more dampness in your digestion. So orange peel is really nice for like warming up the digestion and also getting rid of any dampness um, that's accumulated in there. So if you have a tendency towards nauseousness or um, gas, uh, orange peel can help just move things along gently and um, kind of like balance things out. It's um, tasty. Uh, it has a bitter flavor, but the bitterness of it is um, nothing compared to some of the other bitter herbs that are out there for digestion. <laughs> um, it's it's always funny. I see a question people ask all the time, especially when you're harvesting your fresh herbs, and you know, so yay, let's buy a organic orange or citrus. Just in general, is really good, mm -hmm. but they're always saying it's like, well, okay, I dried it, so is how long is it good for? And I think orange is always, orange peel is one of those interesting ones, you know, especially if we look at it through the lens of Chinese. Mm -hmm. Like when you talk about herbs and, you know, I really like those herbs that we harvest ourselves and we dry and preserve, 
but how long do you like to think they're good for, especially that orange? Oh, so with orange, if you have a fresh orange peel, it's actually going to be not as warming. It's going to be more on the cooling side. If you have a more aged, dried orange peel, it's, it's actually going to have a more warmer tendency, depending, of course, on the species that you're using. But um, basically what I do is when I have an orange peel and I'm drying it, I have a little basket that I keep up on my shelf and it um, is in a warm area of the room that gets nice circulation from my um, fan. So I like to keep it up there for like five days and then I'll just check it to make sure it's good and dry. And then I just put it in a jar. I like to use it up within a year. Um, after that, I feel like um, dried herbs don't have their vitality that they had um, before. So typically a around a year is how long I keep dried stuff around. And then I try to make sure I use it up if, um, but typically it doesn't last that long in my house. <laughs> and you know, I totally forgot to say something. So we forgot to give that warning, you know, because we're sitting here telling people how cool these herbs are. And so it's important to remember if not to take this uh, podcast as a, um, a medical advice in any type. So of course, if you're dealing with any kind of health issue or your kid uh, or, or infant is dealing with any health issues, make sure you consult your local herbalist, naturopathic doctor, your medical doctor or acupuncture physician or some other interesting set of letters that are, you know, so that they can assist you in your own personal health journal. And nothing I say here is approved, of course, by any federal, state or local government agencies and does not constitute any medical advice. But I'm quite sure your great grandmama would approve of what we got to say. So Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's very true. Like, um, when I'm spewing off these things, it definitely does not, um, I would say, substitute uh, the importance of going to see a professional, especially when you're just starting out. You know, and, and it's always tough, uh, especially with kids, because especially if they're infants where they're not able to communicate sometimes, that I think you and, and I, and we, we've talked often enough that it's like, sometimes it's good to also see your pediatrician. And so the, the more people who are checking on the kids' health, um, yeah, true, same is true for adults as well, the better off we are in that process. So I'm going to ask you a tough one. So fevers good bad oh my gosh fevers are very good we've when i was a, a new mom i was so afraid of fevers i was like oh my gosh he has a fever so but now i'm like oh he has a fever that means his body is working so uh fevers are super important and let you know how well your immune system is actually functioning so i usually let my kids have a fever until they get to like 102 and then I'm like, okay, let me think of what I'm going to do here if it goes above that. And of course, if it gets to the scary times or scary levels of temperature, you, you, you know, 102, you need to call your doctor, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think from what uh, I have seen with literature, research, and my own experience with my kids, that um, letting them have their fever is your body's natural response to uh, pathogens. So let the body do what it wants to do. Unless it gets scary, then call your doctor or, you know, if you have an herbalist or other practitioner that you can call on, if it's not getting to that scary time, um, you know, rely on them to see if there's any herbs that can be utilized. 
Yeah, it's always a, it's always a tough call on that. And I know one of the things I always look for is parents usually know their kids pretty well, and so if that kid's always is starting to become unresponsive or lethargic or not pooping or peeing, yep, then we get a little worried. Oh, yeah, yeah. yep, exactly. Yeah. And I dealt with that, you know, with my own kids. You know, um, I still I take them to the doctor. You know, we go to the emergency room when we, when we need to, or I call Bob, help. <laughs> but uh, you know. Typically, the things that um, go on are the average day-to-day things that you just let the body. And I'm so as an herbalist, I am not the type of herbalist to just throw a bunch of herbs. Like I really like to see how is the body responding, what is the body doing. I like to see that first before I just throw stuff at a child that has a fever. Like let the body figure it out and see, you know, like what's going on before just throwing herbs or. Um, you know, even like over-the-counter things on um, a child right away, like kind of like observing and making sure they're hydrated um, is can be everything. And you mentioned food, like obviously challenge to get the kid to eat all the veggies uh, and so forth that we'd like them to, even to drink water and so forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's some like, and I'm I'm with you, especially for the young kids that like we don't need to hit them very hard with the herbs in order to get change, and so that one medicine that we do three times a day or sometimes more is food. Right. What kind of dietary advice do you like to give to parents? One is first, don't harp them. Like I've I say that as a former harper, so um, <laughs> I have harped my kids, but uh, it really doesn't help to harp on the kids it's more about like getting them involved really kids love to um be in the kitchen with you i mean i'm not going to say every child is like wanting to help but oftentimes i have found just in my experience um in working with kids for a really long time and being a mom uh getting them involved can be everything so like my daughter and i uh sometimes what we'll do is with baking she'll let me put herbs in whatever we're baking um, so she loves to bake. Like it's one of her favorite things to do is baking. And so, um, you know, we've been able to do like rose infused frosting or, you know, just thinking outside the box. So she gets her sugar and I get to put herbs in there. So, um, you know, that can be one way is um, just having your child next to you cutting vegetables. You might think, oh, what, a knife? But they're actually very in tune. They don't wanna cut themselves, so they're gonna be very careful. Um, I, In my classes, I actually let kids handle um, knives and we cook soups and cook it over the fire and they like it. We cook homemade pasta over the fire made from Biden's and they like it. They're like, please give me more. We make pesto out of Biden's and they're like, this is the best thing ever. So you would be surprised if you just even go in your yard that's not sprayed chemically and, you know, collect some safe plants uh, and then get the child with you in um, making that recipe. You would be amazed at how much they'll gobble it up. So I, we do a lot of cooking in my classes and um, the kids will literally, now of course you have the ones that are like, no, never, I'll never try it. And then, you know, I'm just like, well, at least smell it or at least just see, you know, a little tiny sip. And then before you know it, the whole cup is gone or the whole bowl is gone. So um, one, getting them involved. Two, I would say learn your outdoor plants in your yard that are not sprayed and, you know, try and incorporate some of your backyard herbs. That is a really big deal because a lot of them are super nourishing. 
and then um, three, like find ways to think outside the box to get things in the recipes. And a little while ago, you mentioned like one of the things that was causing a lot of those digestive issues was too much ice drinks or cold drinks. How does that interact with kids, especially those younger kids, like the stuff that they might be getting from school or oh, from the yeah. neighbors or how we eat? What kind of influence does that have on Oh, it kids has health? a huge influence. And so you can't beat yourself up as a parent because no matter what you do and no matter what you teach them and how much you say, don't put ice in your drinks, they're, they find a way to do what they want to do too. So um, ways that you can get around it is like at home, um, my kids really like to make smoothies, right? So we have frozen fruit. So um, a way that I get around that is one, I'll tell them just blend it a little longer so that it the smoothie will warm up. Or let's put some ginger in here to warm up the coldness or some cinnamon. Um, just finding ways to get around it. Like one, if it's a smoothie, blending it extra long so it can get warmer, adding warming herbs. And then if they are like my daughter, she does, um, I would say limit her ice, but every time I see her with an ice drink, I'm like inside, no, but she's aware. And so she does other things to try to counter it. Um, so just educating them and, um, finding ways to get around it because they are going to do what they're going to do. And they're their friends do have a huge influence. And, you know, not everybody here may understand like an Ayurvedic medicine. We talk about Agni and things like that. What is it that's a challenge of cold drinks? Oh, well, so as a former ice drinker myself, um, I have, you know, learned that our digestion relies on warmth to digest food. And so if you are putting a lot of cold things into your body, your digestion is going to get colder uh, from that all that icy stuff and so your body then has to work harder to overcome that so what happens as a result is um, undigested food because your body just can't handle it all Two, your digestion becomes weaker because it has to work so hard to digest that food so in the beginning it might be able to digest it but it's just having to work harder so then if you think about when you're doing something in your yard right you try to find the easiest way to do it because you want to conserve your energy. Well, same thing for your digestion. You want to help your digestion conserve the energy because over time it just gets weaker and weaker and then you end up with digestive issues, which is common in our culture. Yeah, I, my, my running joke always is little kids puke a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times it is related to slamming those cold drinks or ice cream or all the other yummy cold things. Or the things. sugary stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they, they start doing that, and it's not pretty. No. <laughs> it comes out in all the fluorescent colors. Uh, yeah. You know, we talked about burdock. We talked about Biden's. We talked about um, orange peel. What are maybe three more of your favorite herbs to use with little kids and infants that, you know, mom might be able to easily find in a store or have uh, in their house for those day-to-day -day ailments that come up for kids. Oh, yeah. Like another one is uh, chamomile. That's a nice, safe one that you can find in the grocery store very easily, and it works on almost every single thing. Um, <laughs> like what do you use chamomile for? Well, one would be like um, when they're not feeling good in their tummy, uh, if they have a lot of gas and they're like, oh, my stomach, um, you can just give them a little, you know, 
tea bag and have them sip on a nice warm cup of chamomile and that can be very soothing. The other thing about chamomile that's really nice is um, its effect on the emotion. So oftentimes when kids don't feel good, it can be very stressful for them because they don't understand what's going on. I mean, adults don't even understand. It's stressful for adults too, but as kids, they're like, what's happening? I don't feel good. Ah." And so, uh, you know, that stress can make it worse. Um, So chamomile helps with like helping them feel a little better both on the inside but emotionally as well with the stress. Um, The other thing is when they're coming down uh, with like a a cold, you know, if you can see signs of a cold coming on, a cup of chamomile, really honestly chamomile does not get its due diligence or its due like respect yeah uh, it's really more hardier than you would think and um so it can really help when they're coming down with that cold so we're not talking about like a fever right we're talking about like they got some sniffles and it's new um some a cup of chamomile sometimes can just knock that right out right away um the other thing is if you have that child that never wants to go to bed they're like up and you're like reading them this was my son when he was little like 10 stories later and they're still awake (laughs) Um, a nice cup of chamomile can help just get them to relax and get in that bedtime routine. What's another one you like? Oh, I really like ginger. So, um, ginger you can find in the grocery store, um, fresh, or you can find it dried in the tea section. Um, and that is awesome for warming up digestion. So if you have that child that really likes those cold drinks, uh, ginger is a way to warm up the digestion. Uh, it kind of helps if they have digestion that's going the wrong way to get it back um, where also, it needs to be. Also known as puking. Yeah. So, you know, nauseousness, um, even nervous nauseousness it can help with. Um, so ginger can be good also, like for boo-boos, like if they're um, – they fall down and go boo. Uh, they're they got bruises. Give them, giving them a uh, just a little bit of ginger in their tea can help with um, soothing that inflammation that uh, happens from uh, boo boos. And speaking of boo boos, um, you know that's a common thing. Uh, I really like to use. There's an herb outside um, called plantain that you would have to le- learn how to identify it. But that's one I really like to use for boo boos um, with kids and adults. And um, another herb that I really like is cinnamon. So um, cinnamon is tasty. It's warming and it does a little bit of everything. Works on the digestion when they're sick, and um, you know, just also, it, they usually like the flavor. It's funny. I, I frequently recommend the pumpkin spices. Mm-hmm. You know, a little nutmeg, a little ginger, a little cinnamon, and, you know, everybody likes pumpkin pies. So. Right. And it's so good <laughs> for the digestion, but it also can help with um, if there is some inflammation in the body, um, it can help, you know, with relieving some of that as well. And, you know, and I always like to say plantain is not the banana you get at the store. Plantain is plantago, a weed that grows in your yard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's all over Florida. And so if you're out there listening and you're like, I want to learn some plants, um, Biden's Alba is one. The plantain, the plantago species is another that can be fairly common um, and it's safe. You know, you don't have to worry about, you know, like, ooh, you know, some of the herbs that grow outside, you know, can have some potential um, worries about getting too much. And so uh, Biden's and plantain are 
to very safe herbs. And any resources other than you um, that you like to recommend to new moms or folks who are getting challenged in the whole process? What kind of resources do you try to refer people to? Um, any websites you like or speakers that you really like in the realm? Oh, yeah. So one is Aviva Ram. Um, so I've been taking her classes for years and years. Uh, the Southeast Wise Woman Conference. Sadly, that conference is no longer happening. Um, but I was a um, dedicated attendee for many, 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 many years. And Aviva was a regular speaker there. And so I was able to meet her. And she has a lot of really good um, advice for moms and for their kids. Uh, she's actually a doctor now. She started off as a folk herbalist, midwife, and then became an actual MD. So um, I really like her advice a lot, and she helps a lot of people, and she's very caring. Um, so she's one of my go-tos. And then the American Herbalist Guild actually has a lot of resources on their website, and if you become a member, uh, you can actually have access to a lot more resources, and that can be for the budding herbalist up to somebody listening that's like, I know a lot about herbs, but not about the kids. So uh, that's something I would recommend uh, as well. And that's the two I can think of right now the the most. And, you know, as long as you said it, and I, I'll add one to the list that was one of my teachers was Yali Fan. Uh, that and I'm going to spell that because she's Chinese, uh, and she has a book on acupressure for uh, infants and children oh, up nice. to about six years old. It's Y A L I F A N. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on the Tradition School of Herbal Studies website. Um, but it's really those common ailments, and we used to do a lot of fertility work. Uh, at the clinic and so all of our new moms we would always gift them one of those books um so it's still in print and nice. uh, you know really easy to understand stuff and i'll have to i don't have that book i'm gonna have to get that because i will say this like my kids get acupuncture now but they didn't always want it and so acupressure actually is um quite You'd be amazed at how well yeah. kids respond Especially to that. Especially under like that six or eight mm -hmm. years old, I find they're really responsive and mm -hmm. infants are magical. I, yeah. I really had great success with that. And, you know, we've been negligent. We mentioned the American Herbalist Guild and obviously we're part of the AHG, American Herbalist Guild fan club, but I think both of us have been involved with our professional organization. So that's the National Professional Organization. Mm -hmm. I, I was on the board for a while and you had a role, still have a role, at AHG. Tell us about that. Well, so the American Herbalist Guild I've been involved with for going on nine years. I started in, um, well, is it nine years? Eight years. Spring of 2015. Uh, the American Herbalist Guild is a nationwide organization, as Bob said, is our professional organization, and they have chapters all around the country. And we're really fortunate that we have um, a chapter right here in our area, Tampa Bay. So um, basically what you would find at the chapter level is um, really, I would say like irreplaceable experience and um, community building uh, that you can't find anywhere else, to be honest, um, out of the chapter. I was chapter president for six years and my goal was to build community and just get everyone to know what is herbalism and how can they have a role in it in their own way. And Shannon O'Brien is now carrying that torch um, in an amazing way. Um, how I use a American Herbalist Guild as a professional is for resources. 
And, um, and then I also support chapters around the country as a chapter coordinator. So uh, it's really amazing work. And I'm super excited to say that uh, of the folks who have graduated from the school, you are the first one that last year um, presented at the national conference. Um, yeah. And that's really been exciting because you've started teaching out not just locally here in, in the Tampa Bay region, but uh, you've now been to a couple of conferences as a lecturer. And it's really exciting to see that expanding uh, knowledge and sharing uh, on down the, the tribe, if you will. Yeah, it's really, um, it's been a really amazing journey, to be honest. Um, I, as a person going to conferences, I always would look to the people teaching with reverence because, you know, they're sharing what they know, they're sharing their experience. And when you have teachers that are willing to do that um, from their heart, it can really be life-changing. And when I actually had the opportunity to be that person, um, it, it was very important to me. And uh, because I, I'm a very heart person, I lead with my heart, and so um, all my teachings are from my heart and being able to travel to the Midwest and teach um, and travel up to even the Northeast and teach for the American Herbalist Guild was um, everything to me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, and yeah, it's it, it's always exciting to see the ever-expanding uh, realm of that. So obviously you can find out more about the American Herbalist Guild. You don't have to have any special training or qualifications to become a member uh, and supporting that national organization. You can mm-hmm. find out at the American Herbalist Guild.com, uh, I think it is. Yeah, or dot .org, .org or something. Org. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, and uh, their next conference actually is just outside of Asheville, actually, in Black Mountain, coming up in the fall. Um, but you know, our, our time is short. So obviously Ruth is available as a practitioner at acupuncture and herbal therapies. You can find out more at acuherbals.com or call the office at 727-551-0857. Or what's the website and the name of your teaching for youngins here in the Tampa Bay region that people can get hold of you? Yeah, it's uh, forestandhearth.com. Um, I have a weekly homeschool group where we hike around Boyd Hill, and then we do uh, recipes with plants, crafts, nature art, um, and study culture, and um, I guess you would say relationship with plants around the world uh, through time, through the ages. And then um, I also am starting a um, semi-weekly field trip Uh, where we go out to different nature parks around Tampa Bay to extend the teaching from Boyd Hill. I'm actually starting that tomorrow. So frightened about it, but also excited. Uh, We're going to Fort DeSoto, which by the time you all hear this, this will be done. But there's other field trips um, that are found on my website. Um, And then I teach medicine making once a month at the school, at Tradition School Verbal Studies. And um, I'm always down to teach other things. So if um, I get a lot of requests for um, women's classes, and um, so I'm looking at putting together something like that uh, in the future. And, and it's nice. We, we co-teach a lot of the foundations classes. Mm-hmm. You teach all of our medicine-making classes, I think. And then we co-teach the, uh, the Western Herbal 101 mm-hmm. together that we kind of split those duties up a little bit uh, so we get a little bit of a taste of both of us. But Ruth, 
thank you so much for coming. And I know this is stretching, getting the microphone stuck in your face. That's not your usual role. So I appreciate you sharing all your knowledge and expertise with, with the youngins, that special population for us. And for everybody listening, I hope that you've enjoyed your time with us uh, with the podcast, Mastering Herbalism with Bob Lindy of the Tradition School of Herbal Studies. Of course, you can uh, find out more about the school at traditionsherbschool.com and follow us here on the podcast. We hope that you listen to all of our episodes that we've got recorded and all the wonderful information that we bring. You can also see a lot of our other uh, lectures and classes are available for free on YouTube at the Tradition School of Herbal Studies. And um, check out all of our great classes. All of our classes are both live on Zoom as well as in person. We always love to see your smiling faces in the classroom, especially for the hands-on ones like the medicine-making classes that Ruth teaches. Um, and so if you have an interest in herbalism, if you want to raise the bar just a little bit more, I hope that you continue to follow us. If anybody has any suggestions on subject matter you'd like us to cover, um, please shoot us an email at traditionsherbschool at gmail.com. You can also, starting in the new year, we'll start back up our uh, herbalist uh, open forum that we do on the last Friday of every month. Uh, that's on Facebook from 6 to 8. And um, our next episode, one of my favorite subjects, and we kind of broached it a little bit today, was about digestive health because I'm with, I'm with Ruth on this one. So many of our issues, if they're not from stress, they're from diet. And I'm finding more and more there's so much less than ideal information that's being put out on some of the, uh, the internet and TikTok and so forth that I'm finding is actually causing harm for a lot of mm-hmm. folks. So yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bend a few ears for the next episode and really do a deep dive on all of that. So be sure to subscribe, tune in for our next episode. We'll try to have it out in about another month. And uh, thank you so much for joining us for Mastering Herbalism with Bob Lindy and Ruth Glass. Thank you.